Hi, it's Damon. I just wanted to give you a heads up before we start the episode that we will have some limited discussion about accusations about director Brian Singer. So there is a content warning for rape and sexual assault. So otherwise, here comes the episode. How do you transition into the rest of the episode? (laughs) We come out like Bugs and Daffy in the Saturday morning cartoon show. From the windows to the wall. You know? Like that song. What's your favorite X Men sound? sound? Mine is schnicked. Yeah, thank you. First off, for asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely wasn't going to answer that. I have a different answer ready to go, mm-hmm. and that answer is the Cyclops eye beam, which is. Yeah, that was it. Sorry, you interrupted me. Um, <laughs> that's what I was about to say. Bwamp or whatever. Do you want to do that? Or Gambit's do do cards? Does his cards make sounds? They're all the same. The same sound, they just They're speed always- him up or slow him down. <laughs> what was I going to do? Oh, the the intro? Yeah. Oh, okay. Welcome to Your Child's an Idiot, uh, the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and decide if they were any good to begin with. My name is Damon. I don't know why I tried to do that in one breath. What's your name? It's DJ. Person? <laughs> I'm so proud. Not of you saying that, but of me remembering my own name. <laughs> you have a lot to be proud of. Today we are it's talking about X-Men 2000, one of the first of the new spate of superhero films. I don't think anyone directed it, which is cool. No, was a, this like is one group. of those movies that just sort of yeah. It came out of the lake, fully formed. Yeah. Either it was formed, the lady of the lake handed it to Arthur, or I think Zeus had Hephaestus cleave open his head and it came out fully armored. I can't remember which one it was with X-Men. Definitely not a problematic person no. at the helm of no. this film. I've seen it. It's not just you. Like I've seen it in articles when people talk about the superhero you know, monoculture that we're in. And it's like, it all started with X-Men 2000. And and I agree with that. But there's also part of me that's like, I mean, the last Batman movie before that was like three years earlier. It's not like it was this big gulf that no one was making any superhero movies. It's just like, I think Batman, (laughs) Batman and Robin was such a clunker that people were like, well, We've salted the earth and no superhero films yeah. can grow Yeah, well, and yet. like Blade's in there and there's right. there's stuff in there. But, and then, of course, like right after this. When does, oh, and, oh, Toby Maguire. That was 2002. After. Yeah. And so this kind of, I think, it's more about the volume and quality, I feel like. I don't know what, it's all made up, right? So it doesn't matter. Right. I do think that this was like, the because it was well made by no one, there was sort of like, oh, I guess we can make superhero movies again. Somehow we figured out you know, over the past 36 months that we can still do the thing we've been doing for years. I remember reading, so I I was a fan of Wizard Magazine, which is a comic book. Oh, okay. The main kind of original reason that Wizard existed is that it would have comic book price listings in the back, what your value Mm -hmm. of your comic book isn't like trading stuff. But then the whole rest of the magazine was, you know, comic book news and stuff like this. This was the 90s when it was an enormous industry. When you could have a niche magazine like yeah. that. Well, and I remember in the mid to late 90s, they had this wish casting for the X-Men movie. And I, I assume it was in development at the time because people were freaking out. I remember Patrick Stewart was who everybody had said, if we're going to get anybody to play 
Charles Xavier. It's got to be Patrick Stewart. And everybody was like, Because yeah. shaving a person's head is the most expensive part of a movie. That's my favorite thing about wish casting things <laughs> is like there's zero imagination. And of course, no one would have cast Hugh Jackman, who ended up being great as Wolverine. My favorite thing about this, and you still see this less so than in like the, the 90s when we didn't have as much entertainment news constantly going in our face. I'm sorry for making those motions. I just had to make fun of myself for a second. Um, <laughs> it was funny though. <laughs> that was originally entertainment news coming at me from all directions, but then it became dicks. Um, so No, right. You want to tickle the entertainment news <laughs> near the base if you want to uh, give them a little treat. So, But yeah, my favorite thing about the wish casting thing is it's always like this least imaginative it's like someone who looks like the character if there's Jean gray they're like, well, what about you know it's got to be sophie what's her name because she's got red hair and you're like it could be anyone you don't have we to can do dye this. women's hair i remember that with when the lord of the rings was coming out and yeah. people were like oh gandalf sean connery i'm like there are other old men and they picked they <laughs> you picked don't the have other to one. just pick pick a guy who i think had already retired at that point like there's no reason yeah to just cast the the only old man you can think of whose career is still like flourishing. I wish I could remember the other people because I, I remember at the time being like, "Yeah, this is gonna happen." Wasn't Danzig in the mix? Because he's such isn't he a giant nerd yeah, think, about Wolverine? I think it was, he, or was he campaigning the, to be? Yeah, I'm not sure, it, but I do. That sounds familiar. And it's like you know, he doesn't actually. He's not an actor. <laughs> right. Thank God they figured that out. <laughs> This did sort of interesting. It's kind of like me. Michael Jackson wanting to be Peter Pan and Hook. It's like, no, 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 you're freaking everyone out. There's actually a time traveler from the future telling me that there's no way in hell that I should cast you in this movie. But I told him I was already not going to cast you in the movie because it's such a bad choice. Halle Berry feels like she came from that wish casting. Was she? Or, I mean, I feel like this, I might be oh, misremembering. No, she was career. huge. I'm trying to remember. She wasn't as, I think she probably got even bigger because Swordfish was another one. She was in one of the Bond movies. She was. I thought Swordfish was after this. Swordfish. It been around the same time. Google says, this is what they have to say. Is Halle Berry a type one diabetic? <laughs> there that. you have it. Hope she's, uh, hope she's all right. Hope she's uh, getting the help she needs. <laughs> Okay. okay. She was in Boomerang. Oh, yeah. She was in the Flintstones. Right. She was in Babs and she was in Bullworth, which I remember. I knew her originally okay, from Okay, she did Boomerang. have yeah. a start. You know, she was getting up there in notoriety. Yeah. Is that a thing people would say in an entertainment magazine? Sure. Swordfish is the following year, I'm afraid to say, as is Monster's Ball, her Oscar winning um, what have you. So she played the ball. This is where I learned who James Marsden was, this movie. Oh, let me tell you. I already was aware of James Marsden because of a movie, I believe, called Disturbing Behavior. It was a really schlocky high school horror movie. But the video case in my local blockbuster or Hollywood video, depending if I crossed the street or not, had him and his like Olympic level cheekbones on it. And I was like, who is this man? And can I put my face Towards his face, not even on yeah. his face, just towards just in his the face. general vicinity. And got to hand it to him; he's keeping it tight. Yeah, he's look. He still looks great. Jury duty's great. If anybody hasn't. I also that. saw him in a bar once. I saw. Yeah, him. I was there. Bar I was there with you. And his back was turned to me, and I saw he was uh, losing a little hair on the top, oh. and I was like, "Ha, huh, twins, just like us. Me and James Mars, they're just <laughs> like us." <laughs> 
Who else is in this? We got Ian McKellen is in this. Right. Gandalf the Grey, yeah. also known as Sean Connery. Ray Parker Jr. Um, Ray Parker. From Ghostbusters? No, that's the wrong person. Uh, what is his name? <laughs> Are you talking about the Toad? Yeah. Oh, what is his name? He, was he also Darth, he was Darth Maul? Maul. Um, Ray, Ray Parker, Parker Jr., Jr. <laughs> he says to me. Oh, his name is Ray Park. Okay. But I almost okay. told you his name is Rebecca I'm so Lane. sorry. Okay, I'm but so Ray sorry. Parker Jr. is someone already. <laughs> of course, Ian McKellen, killing it. I do think, here's my people, thing. I remember people did not like him because he was too frail for uh, Magneto, they said. Yeah, I mean, Magneto is ripped in the comics, but literally everyone is ripped, and uh, it's kind of silly. I loved this when it came out, Mm -hmm. so I am prepared, because I do think, especially later when X2 comes out, and spoiler alert, I think that is the superior movie. I haven't seen either of them in a good while, but I do think this one doesn't hold up as well as some of the... Other reason, I think it gets worse after that. But we can talk about when we'll go to your problematic corner later. We'll talk about <laughs> the issues with the director and other things. But I can't wait. That should be a real fun romp. I think more importantly for me, mm-hmm. this might be yes. stupid. <laughs> this movie with good this parts. This movie might stupid be stupid with good parts. I do remember. I mean, it has been several years since I've seen X. One and X2. And I feel like I probably share the same feeling going in that this will be pretty good, but I feel like there were a lot of like themes in X2 that I related to more and I thought it was a little bit more of an interesting story. But you can't have X2 without X1. You know, I, you know what they say. Anna Paquin, see the first. <laughs> I also like. You have that guy who played. The head of Susan's foundation in Seinfeld. He mm, plays the uh, senator, senator. So that's another star we have. I really like Ian McKellen as Magneto, but I do think that might mostly be spillover from X2 because I think he's fine in this. I think he's intimidating. I kind of like, I'm interested to rewatch it with that perspective because I do think that there's a lot of latitude given because we finally saw X-Men brought to screen. Like the same thing that will happen when they come back to screen, screen whenever that finally happens. Not very, mm-hmm. Now that Disney owns everything in the world. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, you're so excited to have it that you kind of don't see all the flaws in the moment. Plus I was, you know, I was 18 or whatever. So Plus you had been through a dearth of, of superhero movies. It had been almost three years of no superhero movies. Yeah. I was like Jesus in the desert, you know? <laughs> and the devil said, I have another Punisher attempt for you. And you're like, no. I'll press on. No, I feel like, I don't think it'll be bad. I feel like it'll be very much more by the numbers superhero movie. Whereas I feel like X2 broke away from that a little bit more decisively. But this will be much more, here's a villain. He's got a wacky machine and he's going to use it for to wacky ends. You know what I do keep popping up in my head? A really bad CGI shot of Wolverine does sort of a 360 around one of the uh, spires on the crown of Lady Liberty. Lady Liberty? Who am I? What am I writing a song? Lady Liberty, <laughs> her crown. And he does like a 360 and it's all CGI. It looks very PlayStation 2. It's not... It's not a good look. You know what I remember is the most infamously bad line. <laughs> I remember even being, you know, a dumb teenager 
watching this and having a cringe moment because <laughs> Halle Berry as Storm says something when she finally gets her powers back because the roof is ripped open and she's fighting Toad, Ray Parker Jr. from <laughs> I Ain't Afraid of, <laughs> Ain't Afraid of No Ghosts is fighting her and she says, you know what happens to a Toad when it gets struck by lightning? Same thing that happens to everything else. And she says it with no inflection, which might be a director's choice. Let's call it a director's choice because he seems like Oh, a yeah. Piece blame of shit. him. Just throw it on the pile. He seems like a piece of shit. So, and it's really bad. It's really cringeworthy. It doesn't make any sense. It's not funny. And I feel bad that it happened. It also feels it's a reference. <laughs> I feel like it's trying to reference things from an older era of action movie where the, with the quippy hero who was always saying something, you know, funny as he blew a guy's brains yeah. out. And uh, I guess it's supposed to be meta in that she doesn't have anything clever to say. It is. I remember it being awkward at the time and I can't imagine it gets any better. No, but we're going to watch it. And I'm going to be honest compared to, we're not just doing this intro. We're going to do the whole movie when we come back. I'm excited. I hope we have anything to talk about. Cause I'm probably just going to be like, since there's no one that created this movie, and since I don't know anything about comic books or care about it at all, I have nothing to say. <laughs> uh, you have no opinions whatsoever. We're going to watch X-Men from the year 2000. We'll be right mm. there. Bye, everyone. But just for now. <laughs> <laughs> A uh, little known fact about our podcast, it's an assembled amalgamation of all comic book sounds made to form our voices. That and more fun facts only available to you as a patron, except for this one, which was for free. First one's always free. Patreon.com slash you're a child's an idiot. <laughs> get some bonus episodes, like get dealers. your name uh, read in the credits, read in credits. Uh, if you uh, sign up at the Richie Rich level, you can uh, request episodes and we'll listen to you can always request episodes we'll listen to you more <laughs> you can always but there's only a guarantee that we will listen at a certain level <laughs> also Dems a famous uh, x-men catchphrase <laughs> <laughs> that's what a jubilee used to Dems say when she would pew! use her she has little fireworks of light little fireworks powers dems breaks she would always say but then the Hayes code got involved and they had to like stop her from saying it and we are back. We watched X-Men 2000. That sounds like X-Men 2000, but there's been a lot of X-Men. That sounds like a limited run of then. comics about X-Men. Yeah. And they would never. No, they're too uncanny for that. <laughs> they would never they would never name a year that it's occurring That's, in. I just realized how weird of a descriptor that is. I know it's hard to come up with a descriptor and then your hero title to like have another line that you can you know do have issues of but uncanny is just everybody's looking at them like yeah and especially like the the target audience how x-men they are 12 year old boys are like wait what's uncanny i I have no idea what uncanny uncanny means i always thought it was like off-putting like the (laughs) uh, but i guess i think i'm thinking of the uncanny valley is it's right the like something's not quite right that's which is weird x-men i guess let's recap this movie and then we got to talk about some stuff, unfortunately. Okay, so... Oh, man, we got to talk in this episode? I think... Okay, so I'll handle the awful things if you recap this movie. Gladly. The other awful uh, thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So the human race is in a time of accelerated evolution where some members of society are showing up as what have been named mutants, which seems to be an accepted term, but I prefer yeah. you not call me that, but apparently maybe they reclaim cool the word it. at some point. It's theirs now. <laughs> I can call me that, Senator Kelly. <laughs> and that means that some people just have uncanny powers, one might say. Telepathy, walking through walls, being able to heal at an accelerated rate, being able to shoot lasers from your eyes, being able to control magnetic fields, etc., etc., etc. Naturally, the United States Congress, and I imagine a lot of United States citizens are concerned about this. I don't know about you, but Probably I don't want someone walking. We'll I don't about want it. Kitty Pride just walking through my walls. So there's some legislation coming down the pike of maybe registering all mutants in a list. Magneto, one of the many mutants, wants to stop this through chicanery, hijinks, some might even call it terrorism, by mutating the rest of the non-mutant population into some sort of jellyfish mutants, thus causing them to be more sympathetic to the mutant cause. (laughs) I think that's just how Senator Kelly's mutation happened. I don't know. I don't think they would all be jellyfish. But Luckily, if you're concerned about being forced to mutate, there is a team of people on your side at the Charles Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. Youngsters is rarely a word you see in a school name. But they're also technically the X-Men, and they... I don't know, solve mutant-related crimes. And also, they seem to be a strong lobbying group for Congress. Anyway, they stop Magneto's scheme, which involves kidnapping a young Louisiana girl by the codename of Rogue, who has the power to use other mutants' powers, as I ascertained, by touching them. We also have Wolverine, a 'er ne'er-do-well anti-hero who um, has a very uh, distinct hairstyle, and he can regenerate his health, which means you can just bash him in the face and he'll just heal instantaneously. But I didn't get to that in my recap because the recap's now over. <laughs> X-Men. Great job. Um, to be Thank fair, you, you did you know tell- what? I didn't th- think it was good, but it was, I, I guess you said it was good and you're an X-Men fan. You did tell me you were several drinks deep, so I should have known. <laughs> what was coming? Oh, fun. Let's uh, just because I want to get it over with. Let's kick into uh, Damon's problematic corner because we got to talk about Brian Singer for a second. Ooh, watch out now, y'all! Damon's got a problem, baby. Ooh, watch out now, y'all! Let him know about it. Weird to do. I know this is the point of this whole thing is we can talk about some problematic stuff in one area. Brian Singer, I did not know the extent of his alleged awfulness have to say alleged he has never been convicted of anything but Mm -hmm. lots of people say lots of things about him especially sexually assaulting underage people which is i mean it's all bad but yeah he seems like an awful person and uh, if any of this is true it makes it harder to enjoy x-men 2000 or x2 which i always enjoy a little bit more true or x-men days of future past or even the little-loved Valkyrie. Remember Valkyrie? Did he do Tom Days Cruise? of Future Past as well? Uh-huh. He returned oh. after the big okay. bomb of Jack the Giant Slayer and Valkyrie, the, the one-two punch, anti-punches he, even, because they were bombs. So he came back to X-Men to and as a comeback. Before all this, he had done The Usual Suspect, which was uh, like already- that was, Yeah, that was, was his big breakout, yeah. And there was no other problems with that. 
So there's no, no one, no else, one else who was movie, so. in front of the camera was a problem. So that's a yeah. movie you can enjoy guilt free. So anyway, I don't want to dwell on it. I don't want to get into details just because it's very upsetting. But if you want to read about it, there's a very in-depth Atlantic article that talked about Brian Singer's allegations against him and stuff and had lots of evidence and people speaking up. And anything else you want to say about it? It sucks. Don't do that, anyone. Don't Um, drug and assault teenagers. Yeah. If we could avoid that, I would appreciate it. Do it as a favor to me. To the old Deej. Are we out of the corner now? Let's get out of the corner. Ooh, watch out now, y'all. Damon's got a problem, baby. Ooh, watch out now, y'all. Let him know about it. Okay, so now we've covered that. We've talked about it. That doesn't mean it's never going to come up again, but I'm just saying we can't pretend like it doesn't exist, but also we've addressed it. So yeah. what I want, because this is a yeah. comic book movie, is I feel like I'm ready to be asked questions. About mm. mutants or about comic books. <laughs> I don't I don't have all the answers. I did read X-Men fairly regularly. I'm not versed in all of it, and I don't think anyone should be <laughs> because it's a lot. I have some things I want to talk about, but I want to get your questions first. Uh, yes, I had some questions. Does Mystique never put a to- towel down when she's sitting on a seat or a chair? Or any soft, well, she, plush surface. She never puts a napkin or a towel or anything. She's Just able to, to to create one as a <laughs> shapeshifter. So mm-hmm. there is always a towel underneath her. But it's it she creates <laughs> Perfect. it. I was concerned mm-hmm. there wouldn't be. But now that you've answered that, that seems canonical and it makes yeah. sense. And they'd yeah. always be like, why is Wolverine suddenly sitting on a small hand towel? And Wolverine would be like, don't worry about it. Stop asking so many fucking questions. So I noticed when you change into Wolverine, you have jeans on. Are those jeans made of your taint? Or how does that? (laughs) I actually do have mystique questions, particularly during the climax of the movie. She, just to be clear, mystique has the power to shapeshift into anyone she can. Played by Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Romaine Stamos. Possibly Rebecca Romaine at the time. Yes, I think she was. Heiress to the lettuce fortune. (laughs) <laughs> she was actually heir to the folks who voted against Brexit. <laughs> well done. Well done. I like a joke that is you have to both think about it for about 15 seconds and then like, also you just say well done. You don't I'm actually. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I can pull the Terry Gross. Prime Minister remain. That's funny while not laughing. I didn't have any questions about Mystique's shape-shifting throughout the rest of the movie, but during the climax, she changes into Wolverine and they fight. Yes. One of the yes. classic sci-fi movie tropes of, you know, two people who are the same fighting with each other and a don't lot shoot. of creative editing. Exactly. William Shatner yeah. saying, don't shoot. No, he's the one. Yeah. He's the fake Captain Kirk. But I had a question because your statement about her, the genes being her taint is a great <laughs> example. While graphic makes an important point. <laughs> she has claws when she is Wolverine. Yeah. And they fight, clang, clang, and she's scratching and she like punches a fuse box at some point or or cuts a cord or something and it sparks. But then later in the same fight, scuffle, Wolverine slashes at her with his claws and cuts off of her claws made out of adamantium. Yeah. And it raised a question for me, which is, what are her faux Wolverine claws made out of? Are they made out right. of her? Or can she like 
somehow manipulate it so that she has adamantium claws as well. And if she has adamantium claws, how did Wolverine's adamantium claws cut through her adamantium claws? Shouldn't it be like a fencing match where everyone has six epis and they're just slashing at each other? Yeah, just raise that a doesn't lot of questions make a lot of me. sense. And I think there are, I skimmed some conversations about this. There's not an answer because it's- Because it's gone. Don't worry. The answer is don't worry about it. But- Don't you uh, want to just have fun, Damon? <laughs> Instead of just asking all these questions all the time. But it does, it is one of those things that immediately kind of takes you out of it because you're like, wait, what? And she screams. Yeah. And that made sense for for that split second. I'm like, oh yeah, because it's not real adamantium. But then later on, she's cutting things. And maybe it's just that she can manipulate her skin to be as sharp as a knife, not necessarily adamantium. Yes. I guess. That would be my my headcanon about it. And also would have made more sense if she had some sort of injury from that, even if it weren't, because it doesn't have to be exactly fingers, because she did have hands, you know, when she was holding. So I don't know, but it is a little confusing. And that was definitely one where it was, wait. Yeah. And then she also has some, if you think about it too long, it gets a little bit confusing because in the comics, like her, as with most of these characters, their power set starts at one thing and then it kind of <laughs> evolves over time. And then mm-hmm. sometimes it gets real crazy. And then they're like, what the fuck? And then, you know, another author will decide that they can form a gun and shoot it. And you're like, what is the bullet? Because <laughs> she formed the gun out of her own. And, you know, she's we seek spit, actually like. But the you know, spit is a gets, bullet. Yeah. And there's, I think, some point where she gets exposed to radiation in one of the comic book lines it enhances her powers but it's also like this still doesn't make a lot of sense but it's also like yeah but none of this does let's uh mm-hmm. the answer is there's no answer okay i think it would have been better continuity just for movie sake if she had had some sort of injury from that you know yeah i mean she does get stabbed but, by wolverine at the end of that fight and we see her and then later yeah. when she shapeshift into a normal guard and she has like little wounds yeah. which yeah. looked <laughs> they looked kind of shitty <laughs> Her yes. wounds look kind of stupid because if you had been stabbed by adamantium claws that are what, what would you say, eight to nine inches long, feels like it would be a deep gash and hers just looked like someone had dropped some like strawberry jam yeah. on her. It felt, yeah. I mean, I feel like the overall, the practical special effects are pretty good in this, specified practical special effects. And that was a weird moment where I was like, this looks like a Monty Python sketch. Why would she have just right. these yeah. blotches of just blood ketchup, on her stripes. when she was just stabbed yeah. Uh, in the abdomen. My only other question on mutants are about Rogue. Yes. So Rogue, we find out, we are introduced to her. She's kind of our through line throughout this movie where she's mm-hmm. making out with her stone cold hottie of a boyfriend at the beginning. Careful, he's and, in high school. Well, actually, you're right. Stone cold cutie, lady killer one day of a boyfriend. <laughs> and once she kisses him, he... I don't know, goes into cardiac arrest or starts foaming at the mouth. I can't remember what happens. Coma. But yeah. he goes, he slips into a coma, we find out later. But we find out around act two that if she touches a mutant, she will sort of absorb their powers briefly. Yeah. Now, Magneto, we find out his scheme is to kidnap Rogue, and rather than using himself for his doomsday machine as i'll call it he's gonna put her in place and give her his powers temporarily which i was confused by because it doesn't seem like a real it seems like a very chaotic system when she steals their powers yeah it doesn't seem to be on purpose and it doesn't seem like the person whose powers are being taken has much say in how those powers are used right am i right so how did that 
Yes. Yeah. Well, I was confused because so, then later she's running this machine. She seems to be against her will, but they, I, maybe it's the fault of the movie for not explaining how this machine works. I think she's secured to it, so she doesn't have a right. So why choice, does it matter like, that Rogue yeah. is there? Is there a magnetism element think, that I'm missing? Yeah, there's some reason, and it's not clear what it is that he's using his magnetism powers to run the machine. I don't know exactly what the mechanics of it are, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's very well explained. But yeah, it's weird because she. I think she's tied to the machine, or right? She is like handcuffed cuffed to the machine. Yeah, and so it's using. Which her, would raise the question that now that she has his magnetism powers, couldn't she get rid of the handcuffs? Couldn't she just, just get out of it? Yeah, do whatever the fuck she wants. But I guess she doesn't know how to control it. I don't know exactly. I don't know. Yeah, Rogue is really interesting. I can't answer that question, but I just want to talk about. <laughs> Thank Rogue. you. I'm going to use this no, opportunity to talk about Rogue use this as a because in the comic story. books and also in the the animated series, which is quite a bit closer to the comics, she's a completely different approach. And I think this is interesting. They kind of took her more at the beginning of her, you know, journey, and it's obviously a, a very intentional parallel to puberty and to like coming into that adulthood and Mm -hmm. like the things that happen. And so like, that's when usually powers manifest and they don't, people can't control them right away. They learn how to, and then they learn how to deal with society and and we can get into all that. But for Rogue in the comic book, she comes in fully formed in the comics and she's a villain and actually she can fly and like is super strong. She actually absorbed the powers of Ms. Marvel and so she's got all those like insane, <laughs> insane powers. Does she you don't keep learn... the powers? Well, yeah. So in this case, she does. She permanently absorbs her powers, which is a little, it's very inconsistent as with most powers. Mm-hmm. Like why can she do that? But she was also adopted by Mystique at sure. some point. Mystique is a very, is a kind of a different and a little bit more, I don't know. I think. This is an interesting take on it, but she's, you know, she doesn't get to, she doesn't say much in this, but as these movies go on, she's like a pretty significant, like when Jennifer Lawrence plays her in the, like the first yeah. class, she's like a much more significant founding member of the X-Men and all that, that which is not the case in the comic, but it's okay. I mean, it's a movie. Um, I mean, I'm just saying like, I think it's okay to do something different with it. I don't get like that upset about it, especially with something as with a chaotic and enormous history as X-Men. I'm like, eh, figure out the movie version of this. That's fine. I'll say this um, about nerds. They have not cooled off about a lot of things. Do not get me wrong, dear listener, that nerds yeah. are still reactionary in a way that I find grotesque. But in terms of comic books, and part of this is the problem of are the pop culture landscape we're in, they seem to have accepted that, oh, well, comic books might change things, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be like a permanent fix or that it affects the comics I love. And also because in 10 years, they'll probably just remake all this anyway. So what does it fucking matter? So what does it matter? Well, I think that's what's different between like something like Lord of the Rings and that whole series is there's one series of books and then they've made one with Peter Jackson specifically. They're like, this is okay. We're doing this. And then it's okay. How close is it to the book? I think it's a different situation than comics are known for 60 years of soap operas in a bunch of different lineage and already insane history of like changing things and then changing them back, killing characters, bringing them back, changing their powers, changing the way they look. And so I think comic book, there's still, you know, people are still pedantic about it and upset about things. And that's, you know, tale is all well, I feel time, like but- around this time, people were a little bit more upset because it felt like, oh, this is the one shot they're going to have at making right. this movie. Right. And now we know, no, they'll never stop. Dear God, please right. stop making yeah. these movies. Well, or finally, somebody's doing it with trying to do it well. 
not that people are ever trying to do it poorly, but like they had, <laughs> you know, Marvel had, had some like the, the Captain America movie that was really bad and like all these kind of things right, that were like, yeah. and X-Men is such a beloved series. It's really interesting. But I think, you know, it, you get into these chaotic histories and then you're like, why didn't they have Rogue show up fully formed with unexplained <laughs> Superman-like powers? Because that's crazy. And you'd have to explain who Ms. Marvel is or come up with another excuse for yeah. how she has these powers. Yeah. But it's really interesting. I thought for the most part, it's it's interesting how they did it. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I would. <laughs> Do you? I would Your face seemed to say well, otherwise I'm trying to think, for I'm, a second. I'm trying to think if there's any Are you trying to cr- convince me, DJ? Or are you trying well, we to talked about the dream. Let's, let's just talk about, to get out of comic book history for a second, let's talk about the casting in general. We talked about reading Wizard Magazine and Patrick Stewart being the one that everybody's like, it's got to be him, Oh, right? there's no way to make a bald man but that. He's already in sci-fi and he's about the right age and he's bald. So mm-hmm. let's just fucking do this. How do you feel about the rest of the cast? Uh, generally speaking, I I mean, I don't have a lot of attachment to these characters outside of these movies, so I generally liked it. I thought Sabretooth, my main complaints casting-wise were with the uh, rogues rather than our heroes. Sabretooth was kind of like, Sabretooth and, and Toad were both kind of boring. Mystique brought a certain level of chaos that I both resented and appreciated. I always, shape-shifting characters in movies, while rare, and I think they're rare for a reason, because it just brings so many chaotic elements into it, where like anyone or anything, including a Statue of Liberty commemorative statue, might be the character, and it starts to become a little silly. But Sabretooth and Toad both seemed kind of stupid. Sabretooth especially just seemed he was styled to look stupid. He had these dumb toenail fungus claws. He never said anything. Or did he actually ever say a word outside couple, of when Patrick Stewart things. is mind controlling him? Yeah. He's I always think, just like, I feel like <gasps> maybe. <gasps> mostly growling. So he seemed kind of like a dummy, which I, I kind of like in movies when there's like a big brute. But he didn't have any charisma or like comic relief even so it just can't seemed uh like there was just this big dumb brute that was just there to go smashy smashy toad while sharing a name with the most adorable citizen of the mushroom kingdom he also <laughs> looked dumb he looked like someone if i saw toad on the movie set i would have assumed it was someone doing cosplay as a character i've yet to meet like he looked <laughs> like he just he didn't look like he was green he looked like he had jaundice and ray park who plays him darth maul his tongue mm-hmm. is all cgi and obviously so so whenever he's like fighting he's always using his tongue which just means he's going <laughs> at everyone and then this big cgi tongue comes flying out which looks dumb because, especially for 2000 CGI, it looks exactly as I described. It looks like a man who's just opening his mouth on set and a big gack tongue is coming out. He does get that <laughs> terrible line. And Tyler also noted the line. Tyler was on his phone throughout the entire movie. And when Storm says her line, he put down his phone and looked at me because it was so startling that it it jostled him out of his social media stupor and he had to say, what was that? Was that supposed to be like a different line? Was that, it felt like it was leading up to something. I was like, me and DJ have already discussed this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think so. Like when in the comic books and uh, 
and especially the beginning, like when Mag- Magneto first appears and he's got his brotherhood of mutants, it's a lot more of a broad, like classic yeah, it's super just like villain. Four people. Yeah. And I think those, especially Toad and Sabretooth, are like more in line with that in this movie. And it's unfortunate for Toad. I'm like, I don't really. I'm sure there's at some point where the history of Toad is more in depth and explored, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's a particularly interesting character. Whereas Sabretooth has this whole like history with Wolverine, then also has a healing factor and is 150 years old or some shit. And like, and later they has this crazy cast him as Ray Donovan, and he's like fighting the Civil War with Wolverine, right? Yeah, yeah, and they go into some of this, and some of that's can from the comics and some of it's not and again i don't really care but it didn't make him interesting the real problem is they didn't make it interesting yeah toad was like he was supposed to be the comic relief but it was also, it was mostly kind of awkward it seemed a very couple clumsy of there were a points where he was comic relief like he's fighting gene gray at one point and inexplicably just starts dancing instead of like fighting her yeah he starts like sort of pirouetting and like is this a reference to something is this did Jean Grey say something about <laughs> ballet or yeah. anything? It's just this, it's so random. Oh my God, so random that he does it. And then it's just, just out of right nowhere. And, like, and then he, they yeah. go back to fighting. And then he's constantly like looking around and opening his mouth again. Ian yeah, McKellen, I mean, I though, I, a, I enjoyed a lot. Yeah. Ian Let's McKellen and Patrick ones, Stewart uh, are both yeah. very good actors who know exactly what type of movie they're in. They both, at least in this one, have a look about them that it's like, where's my check? I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll say whatever line you want me to say, but make sure my check is endorsed and sent to the proper you bank account. You think they approach it like cynically? I, I don't think, think so that they were bad. I think there's a thing about British actors where they're like, I'm an actor. Just tell me what to do and I will do it. It doesn't matter how high or lowbrow People this told thing me is. What to say. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not actually able to control magnetic fields. <laughs> How did I know what to say? Somebody told me. But there was, I feel like, a little bit of resignation from both of them, the sort of ridiculous lines they had to say in this movie. I didn't find it you distracting, might be giving... but there was a little bit of like, yeah. oh, I guess I have to just sort of exposition dump right here as I come out of Cerebro. I feel like- no. Am I projecting? <laughs> You might be projecting, maybe, I, I will buy it for Ian McKellen, but also uh, he's so good that it doesn't matter. But you're telling me, Sir Patrick Stewart, of <laughs> how many years did he serve on the USS Enterprise, is coming in and being like, mutants, what? Come on. You can write this. this shit, but you sure can't say it. <laughs> I will say there were a few catty moments from Ian McKellen that I enjoyed. Particularly when they're trapped in the head of the Statue of Liberty in the climax, and Scott, the very bacheek-boned James Marsden, asks Storm to zap him with her storming abilities. And Ian McKellen says, oh yes, bring a bolt of lightning into a copper conductor. I thought you people lived at a school. And he says it so bitchily that I'm like, yeah, get (laughs) him! Everyone else I thought was fine, not offensive. About Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. He obviously was having a lot of fun. His eyebrows were having a field day. I do appreciate that you're so used to what Hugh Jackman looks like now. It's interesting to see him jacked, man, in this movie, but not as like hyper jacked as he becomes in the yeah. later X-Men movies. Even like, just he's the next one. Reasonable, like- reasonably jacked. He is- Yeah. 
not a man you'd see every day, but maybe every three days you might see a man as jacked as this, but it's not like you'd have to be like, hey, Ma, I just saw the most jacked man I ever saw in my life. And his name, (laughs) get this, is Jack Man. Where now, like nowadays, he's got like veins on top of his veins, and it's almost, almost unarousing to me. (laughs) But here he just looks like a hirsute, reasonably jacked, but probably still drinks a carbohydrate-based drink every once in a while. He'll have a Molson ice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, He's great, though. Uh, I mean, he is understandably the standout in this movie. And it's about their characters, too. The actors playing them did a great job. And I think Wolverine is an amazing antihero. Great, like, probably, and it's like everybody's, or at least a lot of people's favorite X-Man or superhero, even. And Magneto's almost everybody's favorite villain or favorite, you know, and I think... They did great casting. Amy McKellen is great in this. He just really fucking knocks it out of the park. I had forgotten in this that that it opens with with Auschwitz. Yes. And at first I was like, yeah, oh, is this yeah. tacky? At first I thought it was very tacky. And I could understand if someone were to say that is tacky. But it does really sort of provide a really concrete through line for his character that you instantaneously know where he's coming from. And even if you don't like his means, you certainly, whenever he says, oh yeah, people are so tolerant, sarcastically, you're like, oh yeah, you went through the Holocaust, of course. (laughs) There is a good Ian McKellen reading when he's bringing Rogue to the Statue of Liberty. And she says, I seen it. And he's like, I saw it for the first time in 1949. America was supposed to be the land of tolerance. And then he looks out the window and goes, Peace. He sort of <laughs> exhales <laughs> it out into the space. Oh, oh it's yeah. great. I'm not trying to malign Ian McKellen. I'm just saying he would be great reading the phone book, as Craig Kilborn, if you look yes. it up on YouTube, made him do. And he was great reading the phone book. Actually, it was technically <laughs> instructions for changing your tire, but it was still fantastic. I'm just saying- I, It's like, such a well-formed character. Yes. Too. Yeah, and- it gives you such like a, a foundation, not for only for his character, but the conflict in general. And it's such a rich, complicated story. You've on this show come out as an avid. Can't wait for what this is. Mutant registration fan. You are <laughs> pro mutant registration. You think that they should be stamped and put in, I think you said plastic cages just to make sure <laughs> they can't move stuff around. Is that is that what you said? I can't remember exactly what you said. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Look, you pinko hippie. Yes, I am, I'm not going to be trapped by your framing device, but if every mutant was a Magneto, or if every mutant was a Jean Grey, I would be a lot more sympathetic. The fact that it's just random shit, and they're like, why would you want to register these people? I'm like, I mean, I'm not for registries, But this feels like an instance where "Mm, maybe we should make an exception. (laughs) Oh, you can read everyone's thoughts and you built a giant spherical room in which to do so? You're really not making a great case for yourself, sir. Now, Senator, do you feel like you should register, (laughs) you know, any skills that you have on a database? I mean... You drawing know, what if skills, you have I'd be happy to, to register my drawing skills uh, in a database and provide my contact information and my hourly rates, perhaps, uh, if anyone needed a <laughs> uh, an artist for anything. Now, 
Now, Kitty Pride can walk through walls, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so I understand what you're saying. I also but like also, her like, name because it sounds like a drag queen's name. Kitty Pride. So Kitty Pride is actually only in this movie. Uh, she's referred to once in, hey, this is a girl that can walk through walls. And then she actually, we see her in the school, but it's just a cameo. She doesn't actually. Right, she later appears, she, played by Elliot Page yeah. in the later yeah. movies, right? Yes, yes. But in this, she's just a cameo. But just and using And there's a Jubilee-looking uh, motherfucker in this <laughs> In this, yes, in some of the background, there's scenes. a girl in the school that has hoop earrings and like a yellow jacket, and yeah, she looks like Jubilee. I have a question. Uh, this who, is who not is... related to this movie, obviously, but because I yeah. watched Tiny Toon Adventures and X Men came on right afterwards, right? And I only know I Jubilee know from her. that exactly. I was like, that was the sign. Well, that's where she came from homework. originally. But what the is con- her power? A... Jubilation. She shoots fireworks. What? Shoot fireworks. She shoots fireworks. She shoots fireworks. They're, I think, kinetic blasts that appear like fireworks. Yeah, I think she can manifest them. I don't know if they come like from her fingers, but she can like manifest them and put her on a registry. It's kind of (laughs) (laughs) registry. Fireworks. Just fireworks are illegal in Tennessee, and I will tell you if I want them on the registry or not. The blob. What are his? But what he just is a blob. Can he go through grates? He has, is he like Gooigi in Luigi's Mansion 3? I don't think so, but for the sake of this argument, yes. Registering. Registering. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay, let me finish my uh, argument. Sure, Just, uh, this is going to be, yeah, like the Scopes Monkey Trial. <laughs> so if, it's not like that at all. I say, I say, whoa, it's hot in the courtroom today. <laughs> 12 angry moons. <laughs> so, Kitty Pride can walk through walls. Yeah. She can phase shift. If she were to do that into my home mm-hmm. and just be right here. That is illegal. Correct. So she could be arrested for And that. how would you keep her? In what jail well, cell would you keep her? So it sounds like you want like a, I don't know, some sort of sentinels <laughs> to like track down mutants, <laughs> some sort of enforcement unit. You are a super villain. I'm Peter Dinklage <laughs> in the fifth one or whatever. <laughs> I actually don't know. This is a fun argument to have, but I actually, that is actually, see, that's why I think this whole premise is actually very interesting because when you really think about it, you're like, well, I don't know. Some of the power, I mean, if the powers were more restrained, I'd be like, no, guys, no. But some of them are so out of control. Like, get out of here. I'm not going to, Charles Xavier registry immediately. Put them on an island with like a neck brace that tamps down their powers, right? Was this something something from the This comments? is literally the fucking plot. <laughs> oh, days of future, I swear. <laughs> Lex Luthor, motherfucker. No, that's a different comic book co- company. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, different bald guy from a different comic books company. While we're sort of still talking about the cast, I cannot believe that I didn't mention Famke Jensen. Oh, uh, Famke, yeah. She is a Stone Cold hottie, and I had an enormous crush on her. And um, a Stone Cold actress, right? She's okay. No, she's not offensive. I like, yeah, I feel like she has a better go of it than old Miss Barry in this movie. <laughs> I feel like Miss Barry, Barry is uh, Oscar winner. Probably. <laughs> yes. 
I don't Ms. feel like Barry, she's given a lot to do. She's supposed to have an accent, right? She's supposed to be from either to have Caribbean? an accent or don't. That's my that's my Does first she ever have show request. Because that's my thing against she- other Oscar winner Anna Paquin, whose accent seems to be like have union rates where it's like, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm on break, lady. I can't be around all the time. <laughs> That's not I feel that's like, the ha- voice of her accent, but that's not her accent. I just want to be clear in the world building sure. I'm doing. Right, right. I'm on break because it's kind of like a- <laughs> It was an accident. All right, I'm done. I get 15 minutes for water breaks. That's what he sounds like when he's not in her throat, which is what he does. You think a Mississippi accent is easy? <laughs> Halle Berry like sort of sometimes does. She chooses, I think it's just like a light- Accent, which mm-hmm. sometimes basically isn't an accent. I didn't she even notice she have was doing an accent of at lines. any point. Yeah, that's true. I didn't notice she was doing an accent at any point. At least I have chosen a side. Oh, I just thought she was being dramatic. <laughs> I didn't realize that she was doing an accent. I think both. Both can be true. <laughs> yeah, I would agree that she's not really given all that much to do except for wearing uh, this Party City wig and delivering terrible lines. I will say the Toad line... Is exceptional in its clumsiness. But this movie does try to like have these, what we would later interpret as Marvel movies style beats. And they're always kind of like first draft attempts or like, did you cut a line that was supposed to come out right after this? Like at one point, Scott Cyclops lands the plane and he lands it kind of roughly for no reason that I could ascertain. And he just goes, sorry. And then Wolverine goes, you call that a landing? And then it's then they're getting off the plane into Liberty Island. I was like, "Oh, is that the joke? Is that the end of it?" Very awkward. Could, you could see that get you getting a titter. From I the think it would get though. a titter at best. Yeah, yeah, that's about the most of it. I also like the comics. X Men was always. I remember my friend shout out to uh, Doctor Justin Stevens. My friend and I would make fun of X Men comics for always having enormous blocks of text, <laughs> especially anytime Beast talk. And basically, they'd like break down whatever complicated thing mm-hmm. they were talking about. Whereas Spider-Man would be the one who's quipping, right. you know? And not that Spider-Man didn't have complicated elements and not that X-Men never had quips, but that was the sort of dichotomy between those two. And then Avengers, clearly the movie series, the MCU kind of went the Spider-Man route or like all quippy all the time. But right. like X-Men, to my remembrance, at least, I, they, I might be misremembering this, but they just weren't as quippy. And so it kind of, for me, was like, yeah, a couple of quips here and there. It mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. But it's like, it's okay to me that they're a little bit more serious. But also this, some of it is like, it's inherently silly. So I feel like doing like a super self-serious, this kind of movie is hard to land. And that's where like Batman can get all tough sometimes. Right. Because it is kind of dour and they keep going darker and darker. And it's like, okay, I'm not against that necessarily, but also we all can recognize this is silly, right? <laughs> you are a man. That doesn't mean you can't talk about that. <laughs> you know, we're literally referencing the Holocaust and we're dealing with right. like a very obvious analogy for violent versus nonviolent protest and racism and all these things and bigotry and all this kind of stuff that is very heavy, serious topics, but also like, there's a guy with claws and there's a guy <laughs> that's floating like this. His name like, is literally Wolverine. Yeah. I don't know. Senator, this is pointless. I do want to <laughs> quote that. Sometimes. It's another good Senator, menu. this is pointless. I will say, like, uh, if you want to criticize Halle Berry, like, can we criticize Ian McKellen having just an English accent? I guess they were like, ah, you, 
guess lived in Poland at some point, and now you just have a standard English accent. Who cares? Yeah, that's a good point. I guess he just went. I think to Americans, to like school. English accent equals foreigner. Good enough. Who cares? Yeah. I never thought about that. That's a good point. I do. I'm glad you brought that up. His name is also Eric Lyncher. Like, he's not (laughs) English. I want to say, you bring up, this is a good point to bring this up, because you brought up the self-seriousness of X-Men, and you brought up this ridiculous scene um, where Magneto is in his lair. And one of the things that I think is kind of weird about this movie is that I think, to his credit, Brian Singer (laughs) is bringing an awareness and like bringing a seriousness to this that I don't think had been seen in superhero movies up to this point. I think Batman was very dark, but I think this is bringing up very like conscious themes that it wants to hit on, which makes the fact that there's such a comic booky heisty plot in it, almost the most awkward fit. First off, Magneto has a layer very much in the style of a comic book villain. I don't know where it is. It seems to be in the Cliffs of Insanity from The Princess Bride. It's just a sewer system in a cliff somewhere that he's holding a senator in, and there's all these sort of pipes and grates that he can sort of walk through. They never explain where it is, and I don't even recognize it as a structure that would exist in my own personal life not in my own personal life but on planet earth like what is this place you're in was it built to be a layer or is it something else and then he has this sort of over-the-top scheme to radiate all the world leaders that are meeting at ellis island for a discussion of various world events including mutant registry and you know sending out radiation from the torch of the statue of liberty it just seems very hijinxy and it seems very separate from the real like metaphors that I think Brian Singer is really hammering home in the pox on your house, sir, that he's hammering home in the, in the rest of the movie, which I think he he's fairly successful at in the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And I had this thought, I didn't really think about it in terms of Magneto's lair, but I had this thought of, and this is, a topic of discussion for a long time, but how much money must this cost to have <laughs> just this school for gifted youngsters, but also the danger room and like a lock heat, like yeah, a, a jet. You have a Cerebro SR 71 Blackbird. Yeah. And don't forget, the I know maps. he's, did you notice the maps that I kept getting map, blown That was away my favorite technology. That was great. I was like, you should be, I, I felt a little bit like uh, getting angry at the wizards in Harry Potter. I'm like, this should be provided to everyone. You want to win people over to yeah. mutants, provide this stuff to them. Yeah. Yeah, this is interesting. Like the X-Men are not, at least in the movies, maybe I'm gonna have to do some backstory research that I did not do before saying this statement. But <laughs> I feel like the X-Men are always like on a like self-regulated adventure. They're not saving cats from trees or like, fighting like an they're not like helping humans so much as worried about their own existence. Right. Sometimes they're like fighting humans, which is really interesting. But I was like, how rich does Dr. Xavier have to be to pull this off. Especially because like he brings in Rogue. I mean, there is a very Hogwarts aspect where he brings in Rogue and she starts taking classes. I'm like, we knew that she didn't have any money for food just a mere scenes ago. So are you just providing her tuition for free? Is everyone coming here for free? Is it Seems some sort like of it. system? Like, what is this? Not to mention you have Storm teaching the Roman civilization. Is she 
certified to teach, you know, ancient It's a private school. (laughs) And as we've learned. That is true. She can teach whatever the fuck she wants. Who knows what kind of education these kids are getting? This is a charter school. It's very experimental. Well, and it kind of makes sense. I guess you can kind of explain away Magneto's layer too. There's just, they steal shit. Yeah, I guess so. Get whatever. It just seemed very um, over the top in its superhero or super villain layer ness, almost like uh, something Dr. Evil would have, except Dr. Evil would call attention to how ridiculous it was. Right. Yeah. I mean, Senator Kelly dies, he turns into a giant jellyfish from what I could tell, or sort of. It's gross. I will, you know, yes. commend them for having as gross a death in a PG-13 movie. Magneto's scheme is like he can turn people into mutants and he tests it out on Senator Kelly. And Senator Kelly eventually shows his, up at the school His body for rejects the mutation, to which Lauren says, that's not how mutation works. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a heart transplant. And then, yeah, he turns into a giant jellyfish and then eventually straight into water and dies. It's really gross. I was unfortunately eating when he died. Gross. Jellyfish, of all things. Well, that's what, I mean, the kid is poking at a jellyfish when Senator Kelly comes out of the water. So I felt like that was the implication they were doing. Oh, I also enjoyed at the train station scene, which is sort of like the halfway mark of the movie, Storm and Cyclops go to like bring Rogue back to the school. And Cyclops has his Cyclops thing on his little visor but then he puts on a little baseball cap and i'm like yeah. ah, yeah blending in perfectly now no <laughs> one will notice your you know virtual reality goggles you're wearing around a trade station also like later so a pretty cool scene where magneto is has rogue or saber tooth or no toad has rogue and toad has rogue over his shoulder outside of the train station yeah. 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 And then Jean Grey and Dr. X take over both Sabretooth and Toad and basically threaten Magneto. Like, and Sabretooth, he uses Sabretooth, like, to, like, put a stranglehold on Magneto while Magneto has, like, flipped all these cop cars and, like, pointed their own guns at them, which is awesome. It was a but very, then, like, that is a very awesome scene. It's awesome. Uh, Magneto gets a couple of awesome scenes when he's walking and then just building the metal pathway in front of him. That's pretty badass. It's not as great as in X2 when he steals the yes. iron out of that guy's blood. But that yes. scene. We'll have to get to that. But so he, you know, Charles is saying like, I'll, you know, I'll kill you basically. And Magneto shoots a gun, but then like he's holding the bullet to a guy's head and it's like spinning and it's like going in his forehead and it's like, dude, back up. <laughs> I was like, He's not holding duck. you there. Yeah. Just move slightly. That was a little silly. And I was also like, well, you've stopped the momentum. The bullet really works with the force that is behind the bullet. If I throw a bullet at you, you're not going to, you know, die. <laughs> You'll, the bullet will just bounce. It's the momentum behind the bullet that really works. So if you stop a bullet right in someone's forehead and don't actually puncture their skull, I don't know how you're going to get momentum going after that to shoot it through them. But I guess Magneto has got a lot of metal. talents. He can do it. They could do it. That was a really good scene. That actually felt like, at least in terms of like structure, felt like a scene that would show up. It actually kind of reminded me of the Loki yeah. scene in Avengers when Loki tries to force everyone to bow down before him. It reminded yeah. me a little bit of that. Maybe just in terms of the layout of the scene itself and that the cops are all right. around them. People it also around. is reminiscent yeah. of Terminator 2, which has also, when they break into that office building and then they come out and the cops are all arrayed in front of them again. It was a good scene, though. I liked that whole that whole train station scene 
was really good. Also, I mean, the aspect of, and I didn't put this together until we see it, that Magneto, like Wolverine is completely incapacitated around Magneto. Yeah. Because his skeleton yeah. is metal. So he's like, I'm just going to hold you still. And then when he like starts, I don't have claws that shoot out of my knuckles, but when he starts t- yeah. like spreading the claws in uh, yeah. my phantom pains in my theoretical claws. Winced. There's a couple things like that that are actually very visceral for this movie. Like you mentioned the Senator Kelly, like jellyfish, but that part, <laughs> the moving the claws, every time rogue uses her powers, there's this veiny, her victim like has like veins come popping out and it's very like, Bleh. there was one other thing too. Let's see if I can find it. Well, the first time you see his claws, they come out. Although that may not be as visceral because they look like they're coming out of a silicon hand. They look yeah. weird. I think also just Mystique is very slinky and slides around and also mm-hmm. uses her feet a lot, which is just gross to me uh, specifically. Yeah. Put a towel down when you sit down and with the feet, at least wear like little, you know, those, when you go get a pedicure, they give you those little really thin flip flops. Just at least wear those. Don't be kicking people yeah. with your dirty feet that you walked everywhere Ugh. in. It's pretty obvious if you look at her costume, but apparently this whole process was completely miserable for Rebecca Romaine. She was completely isolated from the rest of the cast because she had to just be in makeup for like 10 hours just to get her shots. And then she couldn't move between. So they had to like, here, sip from your juice box and sit there. Pre-smartphone too. She couldn't do anything. Just reading. Yeah. They had to bring her her a magazine, uh, Us Weekly or something. All right, I have some more plot stuff, and then I want to talk about the big metaphor stuff, and then I'm all done. Give it to me. How does Magneto know Rogue even exists? Because the beginning of the plot, we go on the assumption that, for whatever reason, Magneto is trying to get his hands on Wolverine, because all the attacks at the beginning are on Wolverine, seemingly. Sabretooth attacks Wolverine's truck, fights Wolverine, and there's this whole idea that Magneto's trying to get his hands on Wolverine, but we don't know why. But then at the train station scene, when they kidnap Rogue, we realize, no, they're actually trying to get Rogue, and Rogue is just with Wolverine all the time. But why does he know that she exists? Dr. Trax does say earlier, it's like, I'm not sure it's Wolverine he's after. But mm. you, you don't really put it together as obviously until later. Right. I don't know if the movie says, but I assume he just has, you know, his ears to the ground. You know, he's got his network of evil mutants. Trying to find, he's probably like, listen, I got this idea, but it's going to kill me, man. I uh, I need some way around this. I need and a he hears, teenager hey, that people don't sympathize this, with. There's this girl in Mississippi who absorbs powers. <laughs> and he's like, I'm a super villain. I can do that. That sounds great. Perfect. Bring her here. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that I think that Brian Singer, who is a queer man, brought to this. Like, there is a queer subtext to the X-Men that has been explored by many people over the years. One, your powers, like, start to show up during puberty. There's the whole, you know, bigotry and people, you know... I mean, even Senator Kelly's like, do we want these people teaching our kids? Do we want these people in our schools? Which, luckily, is a debate that has long since passed, and no one has a problem with gay issues being taught in schools anymore. Um But, I mean, it very much has like a through line, and I think Brian Singer purposefully underscores that reading in this movie. And this is something I didn't pick up until I watched it this time, was the scene when Rogue and Wolverine meet in that bar in Alberta, sipping on Molson ice, watching the Leafs game, listening to 
you know, Rush or whatever. Rush. Uh, <laughs> Celine Dion <laughs> and, and Rush. And bare naked ladies just constantly. <laughs> is that it's kind of like a cruising scene. Like they're both seated at this bar and they look at each other and there's almost an instant recognition in who they are and who they are to each mm. other. And understanding. Sorry, is that what cruising is? is that, yeah, but uh, with more fucking. Uh, but, okay. but, that's what that's what I thought. Okay. But yeah, yeah, cruising is in a non-sexual place, and you're you know hanging out there because maybe rumors or like this is a spot where people go, and you know you give someone a glance, and if it's reciprocated, you work things out, penis wise. And I felt like there was kind of a vibe with that with Rogan and, and Wolverine in that scene. I think this through line is made more explicit in X2 where there's literally a coming out scene where someone comes out to his parents as a mutant and his mom says, have you tried not being a mutant? And I was like, I feel seen. And then I created flames out of my hand. That's why they called me a flamer. I tried to explain this to people at college. I was like, no, 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 no. There's a reason people in high school called me that. (laughs) Oh, that reminds me. If I created a fireball... Can you freeze a fireball? Yes, because the fire is made of uh no. <laughs> I, thought, of I thought that too this time. As we all know. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> he didn't have like a baseball that was on fire. Right, he was like creating fire. Would, could freeze or a charcoal briquette yeah. that you always keep in your pocket. <laughs> I also will say it's easy to sort of forget this now. But like Batman was the only game in town at the time. And it had sort of fizzled out in 1997. Blade. We had Blade, to Blade, but this movie also sort of, you start to see the beginnings of the hellscape we're currently in, in that there are a lot of little breadcrumbs in this movie that do not get resolved until later movies. Wolverine's backstory, we don't know about, mm-hmm. we don't really get that semi-fleshed out into the second one, and then several Wolverine movies, standalone movies of varying quality later. And Sabretooth gets fleshed out in a later movie. I feel like there's something else that we also get more of. I guess we get more of Cerebro and then we get more of First Class. But I felt like there was a lot of like purposefully leaving things open for later movies, which is the constant hell we're in now where nothing ever gets resolved. Nothing ever gets a little bow on it. It's just like, hey, this movie was okay, but the next movie might be good. Just kidding. It's also going to be okay, but we're going to treat, we're going to (laughs) keep adding breadcrumbs. So you keep coming and seeing the next movie and the next movie and the next movie until Damon wants to just die. (laughs) Jesus. It is interesting. I mean, I think a lot of people point to this movie as the beginning of the superhero thing. We sort of made fun of that in the intro. But I do see a lot more of the DNA that we will see in future in the current landscape. Well, I think, you know, they're very different movies, but Spider-Man came out the same year. I think that, no. The next year. It came out after 9-11, at least. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I think this has, 2002, that's right. This has more in line with what, Ends up having more. It has more of that than I think Spider Man does. Even though that also spurned two sequels and then right. But Spider Man was very enclosed. I feel like if I'm remembering from a few months ago, it's very much like here's this story. We'll come back if you want us. Yeah. If you'll have us, we'll be happy to be in your theaters. (laughs) I'm your friendly local neighborhood Spiderman. I'm out. Hat on the hook, so I can come back and get it. (laughs) You wear a hat now. In this version, I do. This is the beheaded Spider-Man. That's what the comics are based on. I got a 
there you have the incredible Spider-Man. And then you have the haberdashery Spider-Man. That's the other, the main Spider-Man lines of comics. And it's, you want to keep uh, up because the Doc Ock is completely, the origin story for Doc Ock is completely different between the two. Between the two. You have the sensational Spider-Man, but it gets confused with the sensationally chapeaued <laughs> Spider-Man. completely different. What else? What else you got? Oh, that's it. I just wanted to talk about the queer shit. <laughs> Throw some more queer shit. <laughs> Just before we go to Vernix, I think we touched on this mostly, but I feel like it's like 50-50 when the effects work and when they look real clunky and real bad. Because some Even of them when are, you were saying about Rogue's, like, the veins and when Rogue uses her powers, I feel like half of the time it works and half of the time it does not work for me. Yeah, yeah. And it's like even, yeah, even the same effect like that, sometimes you're like, okay, and then next you're like, what? Toad's it's, tongue. I think it could have aged worse. But some of it aged pretty poorly. But it's like, I think you know, because it, you know, a movie's made when it's made. You get you get some leeway as far as like going back to it. But it does. You pointed out in the intro that probably the worst of all the shots, which is when Wolverine gets thrown by Sabretooth and he oh. claws. First of all, just physics wise, like he claws his way around one of the spines of the Statue of Liberty's head and then flips and then ends up back in a very Wolverine it's very pose. PlayStation. Yes. It's very yeah. like it's in slow motion, which does not help. Like just speed it up. Add yeah. some motion blur. I won't know what the fuck's going on, but it really does look rough. And I was actually looking down the first time I watched the movie and I missed it. And then luckily we rewatched it today and I was like, oh, it is worse. Than I remember it being not to mention he cuts off the yeah, end of the spine of, the, of her crown. Oof. It's when the Legolas catches the horse. Oof. That one. Yeah. And it's weird. You're like, guys, guys, don't, don't do, do that. This. You're not ready for it. If we can't make Sully from Monsters, Inc. yet, you can't be doing this shit. Shall we jump in the Blackbird and go to the verdict? I assume that's what their plane is called. I do actually, I forgot to mention, music in this movie is terrible. Yeah, there's not much. It's very generic. It could have been, yeah. There's some trivia, and I don't know how true it is, that Brian Singer wanted John Williams. Don't we all? That he couldn't do it. Yeah, okay. What does that mean? That you feel, wanted I a good composer instead. I always hate those trivia things because it sounds like at some point over drinks they said, maybe we get John Williams for the soundtrack. And then IMDb trivia comes along and makes it seem like there was negotiations lasted for weeks and they just couldn't land John Williams, where it was probably like John Williams, they didn't even call him because they were like, oh, we can get this other yeah. guy for cheap. Yeah. They're like, what's the $75 million for the whole movie? Yeah, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that, John Williams. Sorry. <laughs> that was us playing. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Are we there now? Are we at the verdict now? Or yeah, do we're we, at the verdict now. Do I still have yeah. to hop in the black? Well, hold on. The whole like X thing has oh, to come. God. <laughs> The intro of this movie is very much like a DVD menu. And I know you like looked at the actual DVD menu because you were showing me. It's very like, it's extremely 2000. It's very, they didn't stop. They knew that they could, but they didn't stop to think if they should. It was very, it was very problematic. I'm going first. Please. Uh, I want you I to. You're gonna have, I think you're going to have deeper things to say. Don't build me up like that. I can't live up to that. <laughs> Your inner child is not an idiot. I do think there are many problems with this. Brian Singer sucks. Fuck that guy. 
However, I still think this movie is holds up enough to be good. There were problems with it when it came out. I remember being like, I liked that. <laughs> I liked comic books enough that I watched it multiple times. But I even then knew it wasn't perfect. You know, the one storyline has been cringe the whole time. I don't think Halle Berry did a great job, but she's not alone in that. I think Hugh Jackman's brilliantly cast. I think Ian McKellen is brilliantly cast. Magneto's an incredible character. Wolverine's an incredible character. I thought Patrick Stewart did a great job as Dr. X. The James Marston did fine. I don't think he had that much to do as Cyclops. Pam K. Jansen, I had a huge crush on. I thought Anna Paquin did okay. I thought it was pretty good. It's not perfect, but I did like it. Your child's not an idiot. What do you think? I think your inner child is not an idiot as well. <sighs> this is... A little clumsy, and it yes. felt. <laughs> I kept thinking when they put on their little uniforms at the end, it reminded me of like the early Harry Potter movies versus the later Harry Potter movies. Where the early Harry Potter movies, they're always in their school uniforms, and they're like, "Well, we have to because they're in a school, and that's like in the books." And by the end, they're like, "Fuck it, you're just yeah. in trainers and a sweater. Get out there. We're going to fight <laughs> evil." Like they don't even care anymore. And I feel like that's the case with the X Men movies now. There are not really uniforms anymore they're just doing their own thing yeah this was pretty good the casting was i think saved it a lot of of times i think there was a weird attempt as i said to sort of bring a comic booky like there was an obligation to bring this comic bookiness to it that i think we've sort of more not fallen away from but maybe we've found a better way of integrating that in a much less clunky way I don't think that Magneto would have such a like a weird megalomaniacal scheme like this in in later X-Men movies. Mm. I do appreciate that it sort of has a through line. We talked about the queer stuff. We talked about just bigotry in general, how people react to people who are different. I think that gives this movie a little bit more grit to it that makes you able to hold on and get through the clunkier aspects of it. So... And unfortunately, it still resonates today. There is a lot in this movie where I'm like, wow, this really still hits in a certain way. I think it's kind of interesting that this is a pre-9-11 movie, but it feels very post-9-11 in a lot of ways. It's also, you know, 12 years before gay marriage is legalized. You know, they wouldn't talk about really gay people in a mainstream movie and while it's not as explicit in this movie, I feel like that line is there and then gets explored more in later movies. It does remind me, though, I still think of the X-Men movies as like higher brow comic book movies. But then when I actually think about their batting average, they're kind of all over the place. It's really just these first yeah. two I don't really even have that great of a memory of Days of Future Past, although I think it's fine. Although it also falls into the multiverse storytelling that I just cannot escape anymore. So I'll (laughs) deduct a few points retroactively nowadays. (laughs) But yeah, The Internet Child is not an idiot. It's not the peak of the X-Men movies, but it still holds up in a lot of ways. And I think it's an interesting watch, especially in our current environment where superhero movies are inescapable. And just to make sure we're clear on this, you think that all trans people should be registered? Is that what you said? If they can walk into a bank vault, yes. If that if Uh that's part of their transition, is that they can walk through walls? Super, super cool, Damon. Super cool, Damon. What do you think, everybody? <laughs> You're a child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail, 615-576-0525. I think I forgot to say that last episode, but whatever. You guys know the number by now. <laughs> 
you probably have it saved in your <laughs> cell phone, I imagine. Thanks to Jackson has an unhealthy obsession with Damon for our Damon's problematic corner <laughs> message. Sorry for putting you near all that yeah, discussion, wow. but appreciate the theme song. I want to thank our patrons for supporting the show, including a very important patron that we did not mean to skip a couple times ago, Dramatically Place Hot Dog. We love you. Thank you so much for supporting the show. It was an unintentional miss. Also, Just Cuz. Lindsay Halleck. Scalphosaurus. Jonathan Day. Josh Frigo. Karen Kurd. Larissa Maestro. Lindsay Nell. Particle Man. Shit on the cartouche. T. Smith. The elusive Van Gromkin. The Hands of Fate. The McWilly House of Cats. The Supreme Ruler of this podcast. The Zesty. Mm. Tommy Boy is my favorite movie. Huh. <laughs> Travis Vance. Uh, Zachary Hartley. <laughs> Beth Sermont. Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Doctor. I would say Charles Xavier this time. Caroline Amberson. Also Magneto. Oh, yeah, of course. Damon's Australian accent. <laughs> Damon's mysterious English accent. <laughs> David Mort. Doctor, uh, hmm, Malcolm's heaving bosom. Heather Tuggle. His Honor the Mayor? Jackson has an unhealthy obsession with Damon and a penchant for theme songs. <laughs> James Taylor. Jeremy Powell. Thank you all Thank very much. You. We really appreciate your support. If you want to support like them, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. If you had a mutant power, any mutant power that has been demonstrated in the world of X-Men, what would you choose? Oh, I certainly wouldn't want telepathy. I like my alone time. I certainly yeah. don't need that. Shape-shifting, that seems pretty sweet because, you know, you got your high school reunion coming up. You didn't lose yeah. the 10 pounds you wanted to lose. Done. And you can have adamantium claws. If, do I have to mimic someone else or can I just mimic like a, a slimmer make something version up? of myself? Ooh, that's a good question. Could you just like make up a new- Could I look at a photo of myself from 10 years ago and go, there we go? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Sure. Wait, who's that other guy who's like a beefcake? I think we don't see him until the second movie. Colossus. Colossus. He's got the I'm metal not a skin. beefcake though. I can't be a beefcake. No one's going to buy me as a beefcake. And then you get like people are going to like want you to move stuff. Like, hey, yeah. can you help me move? It'd be like having a truck, but uh, it's your I don't body. want that. No, not yeah. interested. I don't want to move your fridge, Greg. Leave it for the new owners. I'm not sure like sh the shadow cat go phasing through walls thing is actually that cool. Open a door. There's doors everywhere. Just Nightcrawler would door. be cooler, like bamfing, like teleporting. Bamfing. Uh huh. But you're mm -hmm. blue. That seems like a lot. Yeah. Does that? Do you have to be blue, or can we? It feels like blue is the go-to mutant skin tone. Plus, I mean, that adds a whole new level of like matching my clothes. Like, if yeah. I'm blue, do I want to be wearing blue jeans? You know, Ugh, clashing. Yeah, that's not good. And then I or I just look like a big blob. That's no, not that'd good. be the blob. <laughs> You're absolutely right. My apologies to the to Mister Blob. Can I call you the? That's Mister the Blob. <laughs> Mr. Blob is my dad's name. <laughs> Call me the...